Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Montana State's athletic director, one of the great high school track crescendos I can think of in my career covering high school track and field. The Missoula Paddleheads can't stop scoring and a little comedy. Welcome in. It's Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Nuanez Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports. Maybe a little bit of fun pop culture. We've been doing a lot of film stuff lately. I want to talk a little music if we get to it, but we do have a jam-packed show today, so we got to get rolling. If you want to listen live anywhere in the world on any of your mobile devices or your tablet, just check out our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab and you'll find the live stream. If you want to give us a call, shoot us a text, 888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. You're going to want to remember that because we have a great prize for you leading up to Father's Day. This is an awesome giveaway. We're giving you a stay and play at the Coeur d'Alene Resort. That's two 18-hole rounds of golf and a suite at the Coeur d'Alene Resort Hotel, one of the great places in the entire northwestern United States to spend a weekend. We're going to be giving that away next Friday leading up to Father's Day. So Father's Day is in a couple weeks, June 20th, for those keeping track. 
But we are be, we'll be giving the, the prize away during next Friday's show. That's June 11th. Uh, just to make sure that uh, you have an adequate time to plan in case you do want to take your pops or anybody else there. All you have to do to enter that contest is show us photo, evidence, or any sort of evidence whatsoever of you listening to Nuanas now, whether it's a screenshot off your phone or you take a picture of the radio in your truck. Get creative, whatever. We just need tangible evidence of you listening to this show in any form or fashion. Again, that number is 406-888-1029. All guests... In today's show, we'll join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, which is where we will go in just a quick minute. We're going to lead the show today with Leon Costello, a good friend of this show, and also, more prominently, Montana State's athletic director. A bunch to get through with Leon as we uh, almost now t- take a uh, close the chapter of this current academic year. Also going to talk a little NBA playoffs. Our good friend Carolyn's going to swing by to talk uh, all things in the wider world of sports and pop culture in our weekly Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports. Second hour, Senior Spotlight Time. This is one of my favorite segments we do each year. We highlight a dozen seniors from across the state of Montana that had the best performances on the high school level. Audrey McElmurray, she's a senior at Missoula Sentinel. She'll swing by for our Senior Spotlight. She had an unbelievable crescendo to her high school career. We'll get into it with her, but it couldn't get any better. She, on her sixth and final jump of the triple jump finals, she soared a full 39 feet and 7 inches, set a PR by more than half a foot, and subsequently won the state triple jump title, which was pivotal in Missoula Sentinel, taking home the track and field titles as well. And then about 5.30, Jeff Safford from the Missoula Paddleheads, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, will join us to give an update on the team as well. There is a Paddleheads game tonight from Boise, so we'll bring you all the action here on ESPN Missoula as well. But right now... We got to go to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in Leon Costello, the athletic director at Montana State. And a guy that's been pretty darn busy the last couple months. Well, frankly, for the last year. But this has been a whirlwind of spring sports because we've basically had almost all the fall sports and all of the spring sports all at the same time. So it's been really fun to follow, but also, I'm sure, a, a logistical challenge to be sure. So um, we will welcome in Leon here in just a minute. 888-1029. That's what you need to know for the stay and play giveaway. Send us evidence of you listening to this show. That's all you need to do. And we have a stay and play at the Coeur d'Alene Golf Resort. Leon, thanks so much for joining us, my man. How you doing? Hey, Coulter. I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. First of all, let's start there. Take us through this last year because Montana State uh, doesn't have sports like softball and soccer, but it's still been a whirlwind with some of the other sports that are normally played in the fall and or winter sort of trickling into the spring, both with the completion of basketball and then also all the great track and field performances that Montana State has had. You got cross country in before track and field commenced and then also obviously probably the biggest news at Montana State, a new football coach too, not necessarily engaging in a spring season, but a lot of exposure for the Bobcat football team these last couple months with Brent Began taking over as well. So from your chair as the athletic director at Montana State, what's this last couple months been like for you? Well, uh, you hit on it. It's, it's, been, it's been a whirlwind. It's been chaotic. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if you would have asked anybody in our department, whether it's coaches or athletic trainers, uh, staff members, student athletes, they would have been happy with just playing. And I think at the end of the day, that's what we were focused on is trying to give our student athletes and our coaches and our programs just some semblance of a season, um, some semblance of normalcy, even though we knew it wasn't going to be normal with no fans and 
all the different protocols that we've had to go through. Uh, but just giving them something to do, uh, you know, one, to keep their bodies in, in tune, but also their minds. You know, I think one of the things we've heard a lot uh, throughout college athletics is the, the mental health toll that this pandemic has taken on uh, student athletes and, and coaches and staff members, faculty and staff. And just giving them the activities to, to be able to go into the field house and train and lift weights and rehab any, any injuries and then be able to get on their kind of field of competition, if you will. Even if you look at a football season where we didn't play any real games, but we gave our new coach an opportunity to get on the field and really work hands-on with student athletes and be able to evaluate them in a way so that they are ready to go come this off season. And then you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've had some really great performances in track and field. Volleyball uh, was outstanding this year, even though that moved from the fall to the spring. Uh, right on top of then the basketball programs, which had outstanding seasons as well. And uh, you, you can go right down the line to skiing and tennis and all, all the different things that we were able to do. You know, I feel for uh, some of our support staff, like academics and, and athletic training, you know, because they were covering all these sports during times when normally they don't happen and they're all on top of each other and all using the same spaces at the same time. But as great, great organizations do, we found a way to get through it. And the only way we're able to do that is with great people, uh, great, great coaches and, and great student athletes that put their kind of goals forward and, and they, and they reached for the, for those goals. So we're happy to get through it. We're happy that, you know, that's behind us. We have a few, few individuals going to NCAs for track and field and then, and then we get to get into, kind of take a breath, get into a normal offseason and look forward to a, what should be an outstanding fall. We're going to get into the here and now with the qualifications to the NCAA uh, National Championships for both Duncan Hamilton and Lucy Corbett here in just a minute. But I want to follow up on what you just mentioned because I do think this is such an interesting fold. I think that oftentimes if you ever were an athlete or you are an athlete, you want to be a lifelong athlete, whatever, it is a defining part of your character to be sure and a lot of us that, you know, played in high school, played in college, whatever, after you get done with college, then you sort of have to redefine yourself. And, and you can always have that be a part of your your person, but also have to find other things to sort of channel your, your passions and your interests, and but then also channel other things as well. But when you're in the heart of it, when it is the, the time for you to thrive as a college athlete, it is a part of your identity, a huge part of your identity, and that's an important thing. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a phenomenal thing that these young people have such a great talent to lean upon but to have that taken away from young people can be such a detrimental thing and this is the thing i've worried about so much with these student athletes over the last couple years if you don't have the opportunity to compete you might not feel like a whole person so talk about that element of it because it it seems like with young people uh, oftentimes when you're just a 20 year old person that's competing in division one athletics it is a large majority of who you are and so how did you guys sort of mitigate that thing because it can be a pretty big concern Without a doubt, you hit the nail on the head. And uh, if you look at it, that's part of their of their routine every single day. So they they get up, they know they're going to have practice, they know they're going to either watch film, they're going to go to class. It's how they balance their day. And sometimes when you take that away, you're exactly right. It could be a detriment to to them as a person because it just throws their routine out of sorts. And um, you know, I, I think the one thing that student athletes do really well is that they can manage, or the good ones, they can manage their time. And they know they're going to be very busy throughout the day, but they also have it kind of compartmentalized or segmented. So they know they have enough time to do everything they need to do with given a, a certain time frame. 
I mean, when you take certain elements out of that, that's when that's when maybe issues do arise. Now, not with everybody, but you're you're exactly right. With some of them, it's their identity. It's it's what they it's how they know themselves from a very young age to now. And I, you know, I think that's probably the hardest part after graduation for a very successful student athlete is transitioning from that at the college level and at this level, the division one level and transitioning into, you know, going into the workforce and not having that, um, maybe all the time every day, uh, they still can be active and still doing things, but it's not the same as, as it was in college. And so, yeah, we've had, to, you know, we've had to deal with that, um, with everybody, uh, you know, whether it be coaches and or student athletes, and, you know, one of the biggest things we dealt with were the changing protocols. I think that was probably the the hardest part was as we received protocols, whether it be from the CDC or our local health authorities or the NCAA, trying to get all of that information to our coaches who can then get it to the student athletes and try to manage that. The communication aspect was so hard because everything we were doing was still virtual for the most part. And trying to set them up, to be in a position to be successful and to have all the information as it changed so quickly probably was the hardest part of the past 15 months. Um, I can say we did a fairly decent job of it, but, um, you know, there are always things where, um, where their coaches or student athletes are going to be frustrated. You know, their student athletes are quarantining and, um, you know, they're stuck. They can't work out. They can't go into the weight room. They can't get shots up or whatever the case might be. Um, you know, all those things had an impact on, on each of them. And now as I look back, hopefully a great defining moment for all of us, but also I, I hope that that's in the rear view mirror. We don't have to deal with that very much moving forward and we can move into a, you know, a really normal fall season. Leon Costello joining us. He's the athletic director at Montana State. We're recapping the year that was, which was certainly a challenging one, but man, it feels good to be back on the other side and getting back to at least a little normalcy. So let's talk about that element, Leon. I was down in uh, Ogden, Utah for the Big Sky Conference Track and Field Championships, and what a joy it was to see a real athletic event with some people in the stands and interviewing <laughs> athletes in person. It was just so fun for me. I, I couldn't, I didn't even realize how much I'd missed it until I actually saw it happen. But Montana State had so many great performances at that championship. 13 athletes move on to the NCAA West Regional Championship, and then two have amazing performances at that West Regional and College Station last weekend. Lucy Corbett in the women's high jump tie-in for first, and then Duncan Hamilton taking a top-ten finish in the men's 3,000-meter steeplechase. Both of those athletes, by the way, not just Montana State athletes, but they are local products, both from Bozeman High School. So that's pretty cool in itself. But what do you think of that element? I mean, the fact that you have a couple track athletes that are now set to go compete on the on the national stage. I mean, in Eugene, Oregon, the national meet, that is among the most iconic NCAA championships that exists in college sports. You know, it's kind of the pinnacle, and um, it's exactly where you want to be in, in their facility I think is just recently completed. So they have a brand new track facility. It'll be great for them to be kind of in that environment, in that venue. But um, I think kind of the neat thing about it, you, you, you said it was, you know, both of these kids from being from Bozeman um, and they've continuing their career here at Montana state and, and, and having the performances that they, that they've had, you know, it's uh, track and field is, is interesting because it's such an individual sport. Um, but then there's that, that team element to it as well. And, you know, we had, you know, two of our best finishes on the men's and women's sides at the, at the outdoor meet. And we had a lot of great individual performances. And, 
you know, with, with Lyle Weiss now as a head coach and being part of that program for so long and, you know, having, you know, kind of in the shadows of, of Dale Kennedy, the, the program has been strong for so, so long. But it's great to see Lyle be able to have this, this success here this early in his uh, head coaching career. And, uh, you know, I, I see that continuing. We've got some great facilities uh, that we can recruit to. And um, I know they've been doing some things with how they recruit and, and the type of student athletes that they're looking for. And it's, it's great to see some local kids be able to have some success, but I also know they're, they're expanding their wings uh, as well as to see who they can bring into the program. So I'm, I'm excited for each of the student athletes. I'm excited for Lyle, but really excited for the entire, entire program as they continue to succeed on the track. It's a point well taken because the facilities, the arms race in college football, everybody knows about it. We talk about it extensively. The recruiting in college basketball and just the influx and, and this transfer portal thing, which we're going to get to in a minute, but the, the way that the rosters are all, almost always in flux, all of those things get so much play, but sort of not in the spotlight has been the fact that you guys, first of all, with Dale Kennedy's retirement, that's an institution in Montana, but you hand off the program to Lyle Weiss, and he's done an unbelievable job. I mean, he's recruited some national caliber athletes. I mean, a kid like Noah Martin, that kid was competing in the Olympic trials when he was a senior in high school. I mean, that, that's the equivalent of getting a five-star recruit in, in basketball or football to come to Montana State. And so, but, but across the board, a, a bunch of not only phenomenal athletes, but a bunch of great development as well. But you mentioned the fact that there's some great facilities. I mean, you guys have invested in track as in as high of a level as maybe any school in the Big Sky Conference. And so what gave you the faith to do that? And what sort of dividends does that pay for the athletic department? Well, the relationships is what really makes the, you know, a program like track and field go. And, uh, you know, it takes a ton of volunteers. It takes a ton of time to be able to put on uh, track meets, whether they're indoor or outdoor. And through those relationships, we've been able to develop some, uh, you know, some really great donors that have been able to, to help us, uh, you know, improve, whether it be facilities or uh, funding for, for other projects or scholarships. Um, you know, and I think when you have success and they have success in the classroom and they have success in competition, more people want to get behind it. But, uh, you know, it comes from former student athletes. It comes from people just in the community. Um, and I think track just impacts so many because, this is a part of the country where people are outside and uh, a lot of people are running and a lot of people are doing different certain activities and they want to stay active and track and field is just one of those lifelong events and lifelong sports that you can do once you graduate and you can continue to, you know, to stay healthy in your life. And I, I think some of that is plays a part in, in what we're, what we've seen to be able to grow the program. Um, but then on the national stage, like you have said, that has been able to enable us to be able to recruit at a national stage. And so we've got great student athletes uh, in the state of Montana that are doing great things in all sports, uh, but certainly track and field. And then, um, you know, you throw in the elevation uh, with where we are in Bozeman and people want to come train here and they want to run here. And they, they, they know they can get better. They know they can improve, um, you know, when they come to Montana state. So I think all those things, play a part when you're, when you're recruiting, but it does come down to, okay, who's going to, uh, who's going to train me? Who's going to teach me? Can I get better under their tutelage and where am I going to train and can, and are the facilities equipped enough to get me better as well? And we have all those things right here. And like I said, you throw an elevation and it's kind of a, a perfect match. And so I'm excited about our coaching staff and, and where they're looking and, and the student athletes to bring in. And, um, I think the best is still yet to come. Leah Costello joining us. He's the athletic director at Montana State. 
All right, Leon, the number one question I've been getting anywhere I go in the state of Montana is what is up with football season tickets? Everybody wants to know what's going on with season <laughs> tickets, both if it's for the Bobcats or the Grizzlies. Where are we at? How do you get them? All of these things, because there's been multiple tiers that both of the Division One football programs in Montana went through. Sort of if you if you wanted a refund, okay, we'll give it to you. If you want to uh, just delay your season tickets until next year, okay, that's fine too. Or if you want to make a donation to the athletic department, that's fine too. But give us sort of the logistical breakdown, because I know you guys have season tickets on sale right now, and uh, it seems like this is a big thing on everybody's mind with less than 100 days until the opening kickoff for college football. Yeah, we are full go, and uh, we are selling tickets, and the great thing is people are excited about getting back into into Bobcat Stadium. And, you know, we're going through to, to basically clean up, you know, the the basically missing the 2020 season. And we gave our, our fans a bunch of different options on rolling ticket prices or their ticket costs into, you know, this year. They had the opportunity to donate those, or they could donate their, their seat contribution. But we're working with each individual uh, ticket holder to make sure that they are set to go for uh, for 2021. And uh, what I can tell you is we are on pace to to shatter what we what we had in 2019. And and that just shows me the interest uh, that people have in Bobcat football. But also a little bit is they you know they just missed it and they want to be back in the stadium and they want to be back in that atmosphere. Um, you know I can't wait for Gold Rush. One, it's going to be a great day because we're going to uh, publicly unveil the Bobcat Athletic Complex and, and have an opening kind of ceremony there and, and give some tours to people before the game. Since the Gold Rush game will be at 6 o'clock and they'll be able to go in and take a look at the at the facility, then we'll close it down and, you know, probably have a little bit expanded uh, uh, tailgating during the day. And then, we, and then we go under the lights and play our first game in I don't know how many days, almost 500 and some odd days. And I couldn't be more excited and the feeling I'm getting from our fans our student athletes and our coaches is that they couldn't be more excited as well. And it's time, uh, it's time we kind of move past this and, and people are ready and, and they're buying tickets. So, um, you know, msubobcats.com go there. Uh, you can order tickets, new tickets are on sale and, and people are, are still renewing. Um, our deadline was, was June 1st. We're making sure that we have everybody kind of taken care of that once their tickets, but, uh, ticket sales are going well. And, um, yeah, we're going to be well ahead of where we were in 2019. Leon Costello joining us, Montana State Athletic Director. You're listening to Nuanez Now on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Television all around the great state of Montana. I talked to Kent Haslam, University of Montana Athletic Director, about this oh, about two weeks ago, and we were just talking about the, the revenues lost from football. So put that in perspective for Montana State, I guess through the lens of how important this football season is because it is such a giant revenue generator. I think the thing that gets lost on the common fan is that Montana and Montana State are the two least subsidized programs in the Big Sky Conference. That's a testament to the fan bases, a testament to the interest, and a testament to the fact that you can make so much revenue on ticket sales and in other factors. But how bad did it hurt you guys financially last fall to not have football? And how essential is this fall to get back on track for Bobcat Athletics? Well, you're right, and you know we we. Sp- take a lot of the money that we that we generate during uh during the football season and we put that right back into our operating budget and um and when you don't have a a season where you're collecting those revenues obviously your budgets are going to take a hit because you are supporting your student athletes and your programs in a way uh that you're dependent on that on that revenue and when that's not there it, it it hurts and i think at the beginning of this whole thing even after 
you know, we were cutting uh, some of our, our expenses and not doing certain things. And then you had, um, you know, the recruiting dead periods and all, all that kind of stuff helped us. But, you know, we were still looking at about a, you know, a $3 million deficit because one of the things that President Cruzado, you know, made very well apparent was we were not going to cut people. So we were not going to cut staff. We were not going to, um, you know, cut student athletes in their scholarships. And so we supported our student athletes and our programs in a way which we would have in a normal season. And uh, again, that's a testament to her and, and the belief and the faith in, in, in us, uh, but also one that she just cares about the people that are part of, of her university. And um, now it didn't have to end up being, you know, 3 million, but you know, we, it was millions of dollars, you know, that, that we, couldn't recoup because we didn't have a season and we had to find ways to, um, you know, to raise more money and then find ways to cut in certain places that wasn't going to hurt uh, the support of our student athletes and our program. So we had to get creative in a lot of different ways, but our coaches uh, took that challenge on and they did an unbelievable job. And, you know, now with June 1st being here and the recruiting dead period being over, I know our coaches are having, uh, you know, recruits back on campus here, uh, this weekend, I think there's a couple big ones that their uh, different programs are having student athletes back on campus, and it just kind of feels uh, a little bit normal. But um, you know, the great fans and our fan support here at MSU, with with people rolling their donations and donating what they would have you know paid in tickets, and and going above and beyond, and even doing a little bit more than that, certainly has helped us get through this time. And I think we're going to come out of this better and and with a better foundation, ready to to build you know, to build on that. But, uh, but you're right. It, you know, programs like ours, it, it definitely takes its toll when, uh, when you're dependent on external revenues to build your budget and you don't have those events in that certain year to, to be able to generate it. It, it certainly took its toll on us, but, uh, I think in the long run, um, we're going to be ready to go in a much better position than we thought we were for 2021. Both Montana state and Montana did not participate in the quote-unquote championship portion of the spring football season. Montana did play a couple of games. Montana State, more of a traditional spring ball, and, and probably the, well, I, I won't say probably, in my personal opinion, the, absolutely the right decision with a new head coach, with Jeff Choate departing in January and Brent Vegan taking over and uh, bringing in new coordinators, implementation of new schemes and all that. But, uh, Leon, tell us about this, the transition for football. Obviously, a lot of momentum coming out of the 2019 season, the first semifinal berth in 35 years at Montana State, and uh, probably a top-five preseason ranking coming up for the Bobcats, one of the favorites in the Big Sky Conference, to be sure. Uh, but a new head coach at the helm, so what do you just think of the overall state of Bobcat football now as we begin the Brent Vegan era? Well, I think first of all, people are just ready to ready to go. You know, it's uh, it's been it was a long spring um, for for many reasons, but going through any transition like that is um, is always tough. But I think there's always opportunities at the other end as well. And uh, one of the things we we found out were uh, there are a lot of people that were very interested in, in MSU and MSU football in particular, and. Uh, we had a lot of great candidates that we had talked to and, um, you know, coach vegan rose to the top very quickly. And you know, I think his uh, familiarity with obviously this region being at the university of Wyoming, uh, the past seven years or so. And, and then obviously what he was able to do at uh, North Dakota state as a player, but then as a coach, um, understanding, uh, what it means to be in the FCS and how, you know, the differences in the FCS and the FBS, uh, he came right in and hit the ground running. Uh, he, he knew exactly how he wanted to do work with scholarships and uh, how he how he wanted to set things up here in the summer. But what really impressed me most was how he organized the spring. And 
we had talked a lot about, um, you know, playing a couple of games because, you know, Coach Chote and I had had some things worked out and we had talked to a few few teams that we were we were going to play. And, and I think going through a, a transition like this, the new coaching staff just needed time to evaluate the current student-athletes. And they, they didn't want to play games. They, they wanted to spend a lot of time. They wanted to expand the spring, have their 15 practices over five weeks. So they were on the field three days a week. And then they were in the in their classroom, if you will, in quotes. But they were they were watching film. They were in their team meetings, in their position meetings, more often teaching uh, the student athletes the differences in, in their scheme. And not that there's a lot of differences, but there are definitely some tweaks that uh, you will see a little bit of a, a different uh, setup on defense um, and a few different you know new new wrinkles on offense. They wanted to take the time to really implement what they were going to do and really have the guys understand it. And then that was kind of phase one. Phase two is going into this offseason, really doing the same thing. And then the third phase is, is fall camp. And they feel that was a better setup for them coming into a transition season than trying to throw out, you know, two games out there where the guys really didn't understand, you know, what they wanted them to do. They wanted to really give them time to, to really teach them what, uh, what they wanted to do, what they were trying to get out of things. But, Probably the most important was the evaluation because uh, a lot of these coaches hadn't seen these student athletes before, and it gave them time to really evaluate each position and each student athlete at those positions and make sure they were in the right spot. So I thought it was uh, very wisely done. Um, and then we got to end it with a spring game, and you know, we were able to get some fans in the stands, and it was kind of a, a nice feeling to see at least some fans in the stands for the for the spring game. And it kind of there was just a buzz around Bobcat Stadium, to, you know, to hear the music on the scoreboard, uh, to see people in the stands, it, it kind of reminds you, like, okay, we're, we're getting closer, we're going to get through this. And, you know, here a couple of weeks ago when the mask mandate was lifted and things started opening up, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter and brighter, and all things are pointing uh, very, very positively towards the fall. Well, thank goodness for that. Leon Costello joining us. He's Montana State's Athletic Director. We'll get you out of here on this, Leon. The uh, state of, of college athletics as it is, there's been a lot of debate about a, ver- a variety of new implementations, whether it's the one-time transfer rule or the name, image, and likeness. But all of that is accentuated by the fact that everybody that wanted to could take an extra year because of the pandemic. And I think that's the right decision so that these kids don't get robbed of their potentially their senior years, uh, or, or regardless of whatever year it might be. But that said, it's also created this environment where you have guys that maybe are graduating with multiple years of eligibility. You have no real uh, consequence for uh, moving school. So it's basically created this free agency market, particularly when it comes to football and, and men's basketball. So uh, it seems like there's two sides to this. Obviously, you want the kids to do what's best for them. It's good they're getting extra years. It's also good that the kids are getting their degrees and maybe then moving on for uh, – different or elevated academic opportunities. But on the other hand, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of, for lack of a better word, it sort of sucks for um, FCS schools and mid-major <laughs> Division One athletic departments because you might lose a guy that's that's exceptionally talented that decides to move on. So what do you think of just this year? And, and do you see the light at, at the end of the tunnel here too, though, because it seems like despite even just some of these NCAA rules, this in itself is a completely unique circumstance that maybe won't exist anymore once we get through this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, um, you said it, uh, not knowing. I think the worst part of this whole thing is not knowing. And you, know, you said it, it sucks. And uh, I think it's just going to take time. It's going to take time to see where this all kind of shakes out. I, the number one thing 
is that, and we saw it here, is our the the guys are getting their degrees. And, and the one thing when you go into your recruiting or you're visiting with prospective student athletes, the one thing that we always talk about is working towards that college degree and walking across the stage and getting that, that diploma. And that's part of, of what we do here in college athletics. Now, being a, a division one athlete brings on a whole other set of circumstances as well. You know, obviously we want to win and you're going to spend a, a whole lot of time uh, in your sport. Um, but a number one is getting, is getting that degree. And when they get their degree, um, you know, you hope that, you know, they stick around, but if they have extra years of eligibility and they want to, you know, have a, they want to exercise their option for a graduate transfer and things work out. I mean, you just say, you kind of say thanks and it was great having you. And, and, you know, you kind of send them on their way and you hope you've set them up for success. Um, you know, I, what I think is going to be really interesting, Coulter, and I think you and I might be talking about this for the next two or three years, just to see how evaluating how this all shakes out is, you know, for a long time uh, at the FCS level, you know, when I was at Northern Iowa and South Dakota State and now here at Montana State, we spend a lot of time and we recruit high school kids. And now with the new transfer rules, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a shift in how coaches across the country, not just here, but how the coaches across the country are going to be recruiting because with the one-time transfer rules, is it easier to take a, you know, to recruit a transfer that is in the portal because they have now transferred and you have quote unquote, a little bit more control over those student athletes. And it is to take a, you know, a Troy Anderson or, or student athletes from the state of Montana and you develop them. And I mean, they come here as great, student athletes, but then they develop into even greater student athletes. And then they have the opportunity to, uh, to be seen by others and maybe move on. I think that's going to be the interesting part of, and maybe even a shift in how college uh, athletics and how our coaches recruit from football to basketball, to track and field across the board. I think that's going to be something that we need to watch. you know, you can throw a bunch of resources out of, you know, the facilities and all the things that we do for student athletes. But uh, at certain times, um, you know, there, there just might be things that aren't perfect and, and that would drive a student athlete to, to look elsewhere. Um, sometimes maybe there's not. But I think that's probably where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay close attention to see where all that kind of shakes out. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success um, with recruiting high school students uh, uh, prospective student athletes, and we've had a lot of success with transfers, but uh, it'll be interesting to see the percentages if that if that does change here in in the long run. But you know, I think we're all we're all adapting. We're all trying to get used to the new rules, and I think there's going to be kind of a, a happy medium where we're all going to kind of set up with any new rule. You kind of go through like, well, it's going to be terrible. We're not going to be able to do this, and then you kind of settle in and and you kind of figure things out, and it all kind of works itself out. I think that's going to be the same thing here. It's just it's going to take a little bit of time to see kind of where that settles. Leon, appreciate you taking so much time today. Thanks so much. Always great catching up. And uh, this is a conversation I think that could last for the duration of this show if we wanted it to. But maybe <laughs> we'll continue it out on the golf course sometime this summer. But in the meantime, be well, my man. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Coulter. Uh, have a great summer. And, yes, let's, let's, let's get some golf in the summer. Sounds great to me. Leon Costello, Montana State Athletic Director here on Nuwana is now. Great insight 
It's uh, It's been a hell of a year. If you think you had a hell of a year, try to imagine an athletic department that has 400 student-athletes from all over the country uh, that's losing millions of dollars. Not an easy task during the pandemic. I'm not trying to weigh it because I think that everybody had a tough time. So uh, I have sympathy for you no matter what sort of challenges and adversity you had over the last year. But uh, appreciate Leon for joining us. Always great insight from him. Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, is going to tell us all about a whole bunch of things right after this on Nuanas Now. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Hey, welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana television. Except for not in about 25 minutes. We do have some high school graduations coming up that SWX will be airing live. So about 5 o'clock, we're going to get preempted. But uh, that's okay because high school graduation, great rite of passage for many young people around the state of Montana. In just a couple seconds here, we're going to get to Carolyn. Our resident chick who doesn't know sports. She's got all sorts of stuff to unload with us. But in the meantime, I'm Coulter Nuanas. You want to go play at the Coral Lane Resort? We got to stay and play for you. We're going to be giving it away next Friday. All you have to do to enter is give us evidence if you listen to this show. And by the way, it doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be live. That's We love that you're listening live or watching live or whatever you're doing. We love any way you consume this show. That's all awesome, and uh, we really appreciate you for doing it. But 406-888-1029, the text line is open 24 hours a day. You can text that at any time. So at any time, all you have to do is just uh, send us a text, give us some tangible evidence of you listening to Nuanas now. I know we have quite literally thousands of podcast listeners out there. So um, we appreciate you first and foremost. The podcast has been the thing that has grown the most in this little mini enterprise over the last couple of years. And that's something we take great pride in. I've been podcasting since 2012 and uh, I knew it was a, a medium that was going to gain some traction at some point, And it really has now, especially around the state of Montana, which is a great thing. So we appreciate all of you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that stuff. But there's a lot of you out there that are listening to it via podcast. So you can also submit your entries for our Coeur d'Alene Resort Stay and Play via the text line, 888-1029. That's 888-1029-406, of course, at the very beginning. It's a great giveaway, by the way. I mean, you're going to get 18 holes of golf at the Coeur d'Alene Resort, one of the premier golf uh, courses in the entire Northwest United States. And you're also going to get two um, night, you're going to get a, a suite, excuse me, a one night stay at the Coral Inn Resort as well. So uh, please send us all of your entries, 406-888-1029. This has to be evidence of you listening. And if you're a podcast listener, that's great. The text line is open at any time. Just send us a screenshot of you listening to Nuana's Now podcast. Include a little message. Whatever you want to do. I know you got to get to the next segment, but people have got to understand, like, 
I have really uh, changed up the technicals here. Yes, yes, Tommy has. To get this phone line open. Yep. Now, I would appreciate, in full transparency, your listeners not call or uh, otherwise prank call the line <laughs> because it is connected to producer Tommy's personal life. Hey, that's good. All right, so I'm not trying to get drunk calls at 3 in the morning. Give me the golf package, man. <laughs> Just text it. I'll keep it on silent, man. Let's okay. all play nice in the sandbox. Let's make a new rule. After 6 p.m., no calls, only texts. You just opened the floodgates. <laughs> Thanks, man. 888-888-1029. Do it. Well, we're melting. It's Thursday. It could be, if it keeps getting hotter, the hottest day in the history of June 3rd in the state of Montana ever. So I guess we better spice things up a little bit. It's the Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports, your favorite segment of the week with our good friend Carolyn. We're also going to spice in a little Pepsi Youth Sports segment here as well because Carolyn has an update there too. So what do you want to do? You want to start with the serious stuff? You want to start with the Let's non-serious stuff? Let's do the Pepsi Youth Sports update okay. first. Once a month here on Nuanas Now, we give you an update on all things youth sports around the community of Missoula and the Western Montana, as well as the state of Montana. So what's going on in the world of youth sports, Carolyn? Well, I wanted to talk to you guys about the FC Missoula summer camp coming yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, June 28th to July 1st. Okay. It is for ages 4 to 14. And they break you up in little groups and all that stuff. It is for anyone who wants to learn about soccer, who likes to just play soccer at recess, who maybe wants is playing, you know, on a team, but they want to try out a different team or just, you know, get out there and get outside. Um, it's a really great camp. My son loves it and he goes every year and it's great. So it's uh, June 28th to July 1st at Fort Missoula Soccer Complex. One of the best in all the entire state of Montana. That's right. Um, the times are 9 a.m. to 1.30 for ages 6 to 14 years old and uh, 9 to 11.30 for ages 4 to 5 year olds. And uh, you can register at fcmissoula.com and do it up. It's super fun. Great coaches. Your kids will get great instruction. A great time to be outside. One of the best complexes in the state of Montana. So be sure if you got a kid 14 years old or younger, get them signed up for the FC soccer camps. All right. Now let's make make me laugh. What do you got? Oh, God. Okay, well. <laughs> Hopefully there's no more Naomi Osaka because we've talked about that exhaustively on this show already. I well, know you're, you're going to go there, aren't you? No, it's fine. That's I okay. I actually, I actually can't get over how polarizing I find it. It's actually very thought-provoking. Well, before we get to Naomi, I want to talk about a different tennis player. Okay. Carolyn. You. So I played tennis on Tuesday night for the first time since last September, probably. Yep. And I was playing against my friend's daughter who is playing tennis in college and the college wanted some video of her mm. just to make, you know, check her out, whatever. So you're like a sparring partner. So I was, yeah, I was out there and two things crossed my mind. One, it took me back to when I was her age and I was putting together my video recruitment videos and on the camcorder? That's the best part. I, we didn't, my family didn't even have a camcorder. I had to borrow a camcorder from my friend's parents. Sure. The kind, you know, on like that little mini VHS tape. And then put it on the big video, VHS tape to send off to the colleges. Um, so that made me laugh. Then I thought of something really funny. What okay. if her college sees me play and then they want to recruit me? <laughs> And then I thought this would be a great movie. 
<laughs> the, the rebirth of the soccer mom into the college tennis player. She Carol, must have been stroking it that day. You just playing out of your mind? I I mean, yeah, I always play out of my mind. Really? You're yeah. still really good? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, a lot went in the net. <laughs> okay. But I've got to, I mean, I'm still pretty strong for an old lady. I'm still pretty strong. Well, I hope you start getting recruiting calls. because Wouldn't that would be, be hilarious? Fun. That would be hilarious. Go back to school, get my teaching degree. Who knows? Unfortunately, you couldn't. Why? Because your NCAA clock began ticking the day you enrolled in Northern Arizona and then therefore expired five years from the day, even though you did not complete your eligibility as a college athlete. Really? Yes. Huh. The only things they can delay your eligibility are uh, religious missions, military service, or in the rarest of cases, if you are falsely accused of a crime that imprisons you while your uh, eligibility expires and then you get acquitted of said crime. Noted. Those are the only real things that... All right. Well, this would have been a great movie, but now you fact-checked and ruined it. But that's fine. There is the there's the premise, though, of if you never would have played a college sport, then you certainly could in your um, middle okay. age. Okay. So maybe it would be like, I went to college, didn't play, but wished I did, and then in my 40s was hitting with a... Sure. You know, and then these people were like, oh my God. Yeah, this happened uh, in football. There was a guy who was like in his late 40s who just was like a construction worker or whatever. And Wasn't he just, that that Mark Wahlberg movie? Uh, maybe. Was it like Philly? Invincible. Or? Invincible. Really? Was yeah, that it? Was it about Vince something, Vince Spagnola or something. Was it in like Philadelphia? Or? Uh, yeah, 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 it was yeah, based yeah. in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah. Played for the Eagles. Yep. Good times. Okay. <laughs> so, so you're going back to college. Going back what, to school. What would be your dream tennis school? Oh. When was the last time you went to Flagstaff? Because you went to NAU, but NAU, Flagstaff's um, pretty I, weird. <laughs> I went to Flagstaff two summers ago just for like just, the day just, with some girlfriends. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It was so cute. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. It's just, it's Route 66, man. It's, uh, it's something else. I don't think I'd want to go back there because it would just wouldn't be the same. And I'd probably have to stay here because I have my family. Mm, so I'm right. not going to uproot them just to go play college tennis. But... I don't know, USC. <laughs> Shooting for the stars. I know what I could do. I could go, Nick really wants to play soccer at UCLA. Okay. So I could go to UCLA while he's at UCLA because that would, is what every 18-year-old boy would How want. How does he get this? Like, where does he get the UCLA thing from? I don't know. How does he even know that that's like a, th- a prestigious soccer program or prestigious school? Probably YouTube. I don't know. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Men's college soccer is definitely the thing that is certainly the most um, mysterious to me. I have no idea about men's college soccer. I could pull out statistics or some sort of... Uh, I could seem like I know at least a little something about pretty much every sport. I got nothing when it comes to men co- men's college soccer. I, Nick is more into the professional soccer. Right. Well, that's than, the whole thing is yeah. very few of the elite soccer players, especially on the world stage, go to college to play soccer. Yeah. They just get into the... Olympic development programs or start playing for the club teams or whatever, and they're just pros mm-hmm. by the time they're teenagers. When I was at NAU, we didn't even have a varsity team. We only had club hmm. for men and probably right. for women. And now it's obviously different, but... Yeah, well, there has no, there is no men's soccer in the Big Sky Conference. It's part of Title IX. So right, the but there's Conference. the women's is what for I For mean. sure, yeah. right, totally. Check your dozen sports with our good friend Carolyn joining us here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. What else you got? All right. The United States Football League is making a comeback. Small potatoes. You ever seen this? 
No. If I was running against Donald Trump for president, we're not going to politicize this, but all I'm saying, if I was running against Donald Trump for president, like either of the last two Democratic candidates had, all I would have done was gone on a nationwide tour showing the 30 for 30 small potatoes. It's all about the first iteration of the USFL and how Donald Trump utterly ruined it and put the entire league into the ground because of his greed and inability to navigate anything. Well, he is not part of it this time. He is not. Eric Shanks. Okay, no clue. I think. Um, I could be wrong. That might be the wrong name. Anyway, okay. <laughs> it's not him. It's not Kurt Donald Trump. the facts during the Sorry, segment. no, there's no facts here. But here's the question. The XFL is coming back in 2022 sure, as well. Sure. Did you know The Rock is part of the XFL? Well, that makes sense because Vince McMahon owns the, the XFL and then subsequently basically owns The Rock too. Okay, well, I don't know. If Vince McMahon is still part of the XFL. Because hmm. well, I thought maybe he... It, it was his brainchild originally. So it yes. wouldn't surprise me if The Rock would be involved in it, regardless. Well, so now what? We've got the XFL, the USFL, and the NFL. Sure. And then the Canadians. Right. The Canadian Football League. Right. Do you think they could do, like, have the winner of each oh, no. big thing? It's far too stratified. The, the NFL... The worst team in the NFL would slaughter every other team in, in those. Really? Leagues. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. For sure. All right, well, keep your eyes out. I don't yeah, know. it'll be interesting to see because it, it is totally fascinating. I think it's a great um, indication of how humans, especially American sports fans, pair sports with seasons because football couldn't be more popular in America right now. It couldn't be more popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, 65 million people watch the Super Bowl. That's incredible. That's like one out of five people in America. And... Um, there has been multiple iterations of competing football leagues, including the first iteration of the USFL in the mid-80s that lasted a little while, but then went belly up. There was also uh, the American Football League. There was also the World Football League. There's been multiple leagues. Uh, there was the AAF recently, and they've all gone belly up. Even though they tried to do it in the spring, the opposite time of the NFL and all of it, it's never been able to get off the ground, which is so... Interesting, and I think it's a, a true testament to it doesn't really matter how much people love football. If football's not being played in the fall, people don't have the rhythmic nature of the calendar in their heads. What do you think would happen if they decide to launch it in the fall instead? Would it just be too much between college and NFL? Well, think? I think it or would. It would be it, there. There would be no seat at the table. They would right. certainly. They would get probably more exposure than they would in the spring, but still nowhere close to as much exposure as they do in the fall. We just need to rebrand. We need to rebrand football as a year-round sport. Sure. Call yeah. me for all your marketing needs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's enough talent out there to fill teams for sure. I, I just, I wonder. Um, there's so many different obstacles to it, namely the NFL just making sure that they want a piece of the pie. Right. Here's the thing about the NFL. We were talking about this on uh, Tuesday with Justin Angle. It was the business angle. We were talking about Roger Goodell and his governing of the NFL. But I asked him about the premise from a marketing perspective that the NFL has reached now because literally nothing that happens in the NFL hurts the NFL's brand. Clearly. They can have guys driving 140 miles per hour, just pissed drunk. They can have guys on video punching their girlfriends in the face. Like, I believe they did. They have. Yes. They have had all these things. They've had murders. Murders, yes. Multiple and, murders. And, it, and it's done nothing but increase the popularity of the sport. Gross. It is it is gross. And so that's, but it's a phenomenon that has never been seen before. And 
The NFL, they want to lead the news cycle 365 days a year, no matter what the leading news is. And so that's, I think, why they've always tried to force out other leagues because they don't need some happy-go-lucky good time story in March if they could have any story at all involving their people. Like, if they can have Aaron Rodgers sitting there on talk shows crying about wanting out of Green Bay, it's not a good story, but it's still the lead story, and so then they dominate the news cycle. Interesting. And where will these teams play? Like, are they going to have their own stadiums, or do they play at football stadiums. Yeah, that's the other problem is how do you how do you lease all this stuff or um, are these teams leasing from NFL stadiums? Are they leasing from college stadiums or you do, do you build them their, their own stadium? Building them their own stadium is not really realistic. Most NFL stadiums are either privately financed by the richest people in the world or right. they are partially financed privately by rich people and then partially bonded out to taxpayers like the Seattle Seahawks stadium was. Hmm. I don't think that a taxpayer base would vote to add another pro football stadium to a city. But what if it's a city that doesn't have... Right, and that's, yeah, that's part of it too. Maybe Missoula will have an XFL. Well, that would be interesting. See, like if maybe if you went to a smaller markets, again, call me for all of your marketing needs. There was a lot of talk during COVID before the money, excuse me, before the numbers in Montana blew up that they would play certain regional college and or NFL games here. Oh. Because the stadium is nice yeah. enough, you know, it's nice enough to maybe host that stuff, but that obviously never happened. But, I, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, we could sit here and speculate all the reasons that secondary leagues besides the NFL have not worked, but at the end of the day, they just have not. And I think that the fact is it remains a mystery, else somebody would just figure out the magic idea to make it work, because there's certainly interest enough and there's enough talented football players. Right. So I don't really know what the missing link is here. I think they should go to smaller markets. Yeah. They don't need to be in the main cities. They need to be in yeah. cities that don't have a professional football team. Sure. And then they could grow from there. I've yeah. just solved everyone's problems. You're welcome. Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, but that does have all of the great marketing answers for all things it's sports true. and everything else. It's Nuana's now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. What else you got? So... Vanessa Bryant sure. uh, severed ties with Nike a few months ago. Yep. And before they severed ties, they were putting together a, sh- a shoe to honor Kobe and Gianna. Mm-hmm. Well, then th- they stopped working together, but Nike has someone has leaked this Gianna shoe. Okay. And nobody knows. She doesn't know who it is. And so she put out on her Instagram that someone got their hands on these shoes and took pictures of them, but nobody's fessing up as of today, as of press Mm. time. So not sure what the deal is. I don't know if Nike was like just going to go ahead with it, but I can't imagine they would. What do you think? I think Nike probably leaked it on purpose because, again, all publicity is good publicity. Okay. They'll just be couple. They'll just have culpable deniability, right? They'll just make sure that nobody ever gets blamed for it. But somehow it got out there, and it's yeah. hype. And then they'll somehow figure out a way to release a limited edition of them so they can sell them for five thousand dollars a piece, like they did that one guy's yeah, blood shoes X. or whatever. Well, um, I an still Instagram don't get it that at all. An Instagram user. Are they um, cool shoes? Yeah, they're cute. They're black and white. I mean, I would probably buy them. They got a little bling on them. See, that's why they um, leaked them. Nike, this guy, I don't know if he, I don't know who he is, but um, he says Nike is the one responsible for the shoe leak. There you go. So, um, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. There's a lot of high-ranking officials at Nike that have really, really deep Montana ties. So I wonder what that's they true. Think. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't want to name names because I don't want to seem like I'm speculating about who might have leaked this because I don't. I, I'm absolutely certain, actually, these guys didn't. But I do know one of the lead guys on Kobe Bryant's team for years at Nike was a uh, former Montana State basketball player. Hmm. And obviously, I mean, this guy's definitely not the one leaking it because I know he's just sitting up at Flathead Lake right now enjoying his retirement, his recent retirement. But uh, Eric Sprunk, who is a Missoula Hellgate grad and University of Montana alum, uh, was one of the high-ranking officials at all of Nike for years, and he just retired recently. So. Well, I'm guessing it was an intern yeah. that they will put all the blame on. And if anybody gets blamed. If anyone gets blamed, yeah. Um, okay, last thing, and I'm going to butcher his name. I always do. Okay. Johnny M- Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Football, you can call him. Johnny Football sure. has confessed that he made $33,000 signing autographs during uh, the 2013 A&M season. <laughs> the dumbest scandal ever. This was the people, these were, this was the, the, the man trying to keep the, the, the college kid down. Did you, did you remember, did you remember following this at all? No, so I don't. Johnny Football became a legend because the year that he redshirted, he had these two other like frat boy buddies and they used to make these super cool videos where they would go all around Texas A&M's campus and they would like set up basketball hoops and garbage cans and stuff and they would throw footballs like from the top of the dorm room or from the top of the football stadium. And make baskets? Hundreds of yards away. And it was, I mean, obviously it probably took multiple takes before they edited it all together, but it made it look like they could literally throw a football from anywhere into a basket or a garbage can anywhere. And it became like YouTube famous. Well, then they started getting all this, all these hits. So they started getting all this royalty. So then it became like this oh. big time controversy. These are like 19 year old kids just right. screwing around. They're just and, making Instagrams. And uh, so then that, then they slowly started investigating. And then all of a sudden, okay, now Johnny Manziel signed some stuff and he got made, he got paid by boosters and, well, I guess if somebody's maybe- going to pay you money for your autograph, you should be able to sell your autograph. That's agreed. the stupidest rule in the world. Um, agreed. And so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if, well, they, can they go back and say like you violated these terms or I mean, is there anything they can do? The NCAA or no? Oh yeah. Just, okay. Oh yeah. Reggie Bush got his Heisman Trophy stripped retrospectively. He did? Oh yeah. Johnny Manziel's a Heisman Trophy winner. There's a good chance that that Heisman Trophy could be negated. Well, what's he even doing now anyway? Oh, man. Because he went pro for a minute, right? Nothing savory. Yeah, he should have shut up, kept the money, and... Oh, he spent that money before he even had it in his pocket. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But still, like, just shut up. Why you gotta brag? Well, I don't think he's bragging. I think he just wants to remain in the spotlight because he's become fully irrelevant these uh, last couple years. No longer is he famous anymore, unfortunately. Well, he is on TMZ. He is on TMZ, that is for sure. Anyway, that's all I got today. Carolyn? Since you won't let me talk about Well, Naomi. give me your two cents on Naomi Osaka, because last week we talked about her not wanting to do the pre-press conference stuff. We've hashed out a lot on this show, both sides, you know, maybe the validity of her uh, and the mental preparation, but also on the flip side, the, the, the need to grow the game and also the necessity to be cordial to the media, because they just do have a job to do. Sure. Uh, but then she removes herself from the French Open, so where are we at with this removal? I think this is, I think the initial... Uh, premise was fine, but also I think it was a uh, foreshadowing for a bigger issue because I think she has bigger issues that she's going through right now. Clearly, she's 22. She's a kid. Um, I think I thought it was really mature of her to remove herself from the situation and say, I'm going to focus on myself. And in her statement, she said she didn't want to take away from the other players and everything that was going on with all the press she was getting for her choice to not do press. Yep. So I think she made the right choice. I think 
I uh, totally understand their need to do press, yep. and I totally understand all of that. But I do think sometimes you have to put, look at the person as a human and sure. not just a robot there. You to, think it's easier to, I mean, I'm just going to say it straight up. You think it's easier to humanize a person that is a beautiful woman than it is a man? LeBron James if or Kobe Bryant, if they were done this when they were 22, would have gotten just raked over the coals for months. I mean, months I think she's gotten raked over the coals. Yeah, but there is a lot of people that are justifying it for her, whereas nobody would have mm. been like, man, LeBron, he's going through some stuff. It's okay. No, they would have said, shut up and play. Well, they do tell him to shut 100%. up. 100%. <laughs> They've been telling him for 17 years. So um, I guess it's also the time. Like, do you sure. think if a 22-year-old male basketball player now, I don't, I can't name one because, you know, I'm the chicken that's sports. <laughs> sure. Luka Doncic, for example. So if he said that yeah. today, yep. I do think people would be more sensitive to it than, maybe, than tw- 15, 20 years ago. I wonder if we're manifesting larger problems than maybe exist as well, though. Sometimes I wonder if uh, the human mind, the more you know, the more you can know, and then the more you can project. In other words, like if you know all the ways that you can be sick, then you can be sick in all those totally. ways because you know that. You know what I mean? I know, but I think... I just think they go hand in hand. I think it's very important to acknowledge mental illness. I think that the world we live in, considering the amount of non-human interaction, the screens that we stare at, the bad food that we eat, the uh, all of the over-medication and all of the stuff, it contributes to there being a higher level of mental illness everywhere. I do think young people feel isolated. I think that young people learn to communicate in unhealthy ways. All of that said, I also think that part of the reason that there's more mental illness is because there's more knowledge of mental illness. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. I just, sitting here thinking about what a 22-year-old girl, woman, goes through on a daily basis, like you talk about social media, and then you're in the media, and if, I mean, we talked about um, Serena Williams and someone saying she was too big and she couldn't move fast. Like, that takes a toll. I don't care if you are the toughest human on the planet like Serena Williams is. That does not feel good. For sure. I also think that, um, I think the athletes... They want to be, they become addicted to becoming glorified, so therefore they don't set up the proper boundaries to protect themselves. One of the greatest keys of LeBron James' success is that he stated when he was 18 years old that I will not read or take criticism from any people that are not related to me or are not Maverick Carter or my other two best friends. Everything else is hogwash. And that could be, I mean, that could be a lack of self-awareness or whatever, but I think when you're in that level of a spotlight, I mean, it's the biggest difference between LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has gone on Twitter and trolled and freaked out on every person that's ever been critical mm-hmm. of him. I mean, it's an exaggeration, not every person, but he's engaged with many people that yeah. have been critical of him, whereas LeBron James never has. Yeah. Like LeBron is, he's savvy enough and mature enough. He doesn't even go on the internet after March. After a game, yeah. After, from March oh, after through March, the end yeah. of the finals, he has a no cell phone or computer rule. He, if you see him in the locker room, he reads books. He doesn't go on Twitter. I think that that's, I mean, again, it is a part of the world, but I also think you can mitigate it quite a bit. And if you are a Naomi Osaka who is about to be an internationally famous person, I mean, she's about to be a worldwide phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I think you need to protect yourself. You need to you need to live your life based on different standards than other people. Right. And they should hire coaches and, and media coaches and psych- right. and psychologists for sure. and all of those things. For sure. And and then maybe the tour should provide that for them. I don't know, or they need to hire them, you know, privately, but it's a lot of pressure and it's not the same as when I was a kid or for I was sure. twenty three. I mean I can't even imagine the kind of pressure it is a lot of pressure, but I also think we take it too seriously too. She had this statement where she said, I'm trying to make the perfect answer for everybody. And 
most people in the media don't care what yes, you say. Yes, they do. Well, the media doesn't, but the people will twist and turn everything. That's that true. is what's that, messed up. It's not necessarily true. the media. No, that's, that's definitely it's, true. I've seen so many people just get raked through the coals over what is an accidental comment or a sure. seemingly, sure. you know, maybe they just don't know better or whatever. And it's like you like the whole cancel culture. Sure. I mean, you just can't, depending on the scenario, of course. For sure. So I think she made a great choice and I, I can't wait to see her play. I but think everybody should just be like Charles Barkley. Just be yourself Oh enough. my God. I mean, if everyone was like Charles Barkley. Just be yourself and have fun. Because Charles yeah. Barkley is irreverent. He does not follow the rules. He no. says controversial and or offensive stuff all the time, but he makes no apologies for it. No. And he, so he's never gotten canceled or anything like he, that. People have tried. People yeah, tried recently because he was talking about girls in San Antonio being fat or something. <laughs> oh my God. But Chuck. you still can't cancel him. I mean, I love... I love that, but the reality is, is not everyone can do that, and so. Well, I, I think that my final answer here is that I do feel bad for Naomi Osaka. Uh, I think I hope she gets through what she's going through. But if you are going to be somebody that's making tens of millions of dollars to play a children's game, I'm, I think, I'm sorry I think, to play a children's game. Ch- I mean, sure, it's an adults' game. Whatever, it's a game. She's playing a sport for okay, money. Okay, I thought you were calling tennis like a child. No, I'm just, well, it's all child's games. Okay. Games are for okay. children. I mean, all I'm all I'm saying is that if you have the talent and the ability to reach that level, you need to have a team that mitigates this sort of stress for you. Agreed. Yeah. I, she just handled her situation. We also don't know. She could have serious depression. She could have, there's all sorts of things we don't know behind the scenes. She totally could, but I also would argue that the majority of athletes have some sort of mental ailment. That's the thing that drives them to compulsively be competitive. I mean, I feel like you're arguing with me just to argue with no. me. I am right. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think that sometimes your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness and your greatest weakness yeah. can be your greatest strength. Well, like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Tiger Woods are all three great examples of those guys are unhealthy in their compulsive competitive right. nature, but they learn how to channel it to be the greatest athletes of all time. Here's, but in fact, they are mentally ill in the way that they operate. They, totally. just, they just have this wonderful outlet to do it, whereas other people use destructive things. But I mean, I would just argue that most geniuses are tortured, Agreed. right? But she made a choice. She didn't take anyone yeah. down with her. She didn't, yeah. you know, she just said, I'm just not going to play. I, if I can't, you know, if I have to do press, I'm not prepared for that right now. I'm out. And I think that was mature. She should call Simone Biles. Because Simone so Biles nice. has a lot of, of issues, or she had, and but mm-hmm. she's c- conquered them. And she was even more famous at a much younger age. And she's just... She's just the biggest stud that there is. I she's mean, she's awesome. just so sweet. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think she's that a, I think all the athletes could take a, a lesson from Simone Biles because she's so humble still and has been, learned how to navigate a lot of their uh, a lot of her of her issues. Maybe Charles Barkley and Simone Biles could do a TED talk. Hmm, that would be funny. Yeah, and then imagine could, them standing on the stage I know. together. It'd be adorable. Charles is a good three hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> Simone Biles. That'd he could just classic. put her on his shoulders. Carolyn, great as always. Chicken does no sports. We do this every Thursday here on Nuanas Now. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula. And thanks to Pepsi for sponsoring our monthly youth sports segment. Make sure if you got a kid, 14 or under, go sign them up for FC Missoula soccer camps in late June, early July. Carolyn, thank you so much. Thank you. NBA playoffs, senior spotlight, Missoula paddleheads, all that and more here on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. 
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Tommy, I had this realization. Do talk more about this. I I'm I am an incredibly prompt person when it comes to deadlines of content. Mm-hmm. I am try to be prompt when I'm meeting with clients. I'm almost always late when it comes to social interactions, and I'm almost always late on this show. Do you want to know the common factor? Late? Yes. That I love talking to people so much that I talk to them for longer than the time allows, always. Always. That's not the only thing you've screwed up today, Coulter. <laughs> what else did I screw up I've today? Been just, I was just informed uh, uh, by the guest coming on the show at about 5.30 that he will be joining you at 5.30, which is a massive technical undertaking for me that I am no way prepared for. Oh, man. So I'll get that set up for you. Don't worry, Coulter. I'll just keep scrambling in the back for your late self and get you going. Well, you know, I just enjoy the people so much. It's Nuanez now. And that's what we do. We talk to the people so much. Thanks so much for Leon Costello, Montana State Athletic Director, spending so much time with us in segment number one. And Carolyn, our resident chick who doesn't know sports, hanging out with us for a little while as well. Audrey McElmurray from Missoula Sentinel will be with us in just a quick minute. But now we got to take another break so we can get to her. Senior Spotlight, Audrey McElmurray, state champion from the Missoula Sentinel Spartans right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 